Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. If you were here uh, last Sunday, you might remember uh, how I started off super light and easy uh, talking about something about my South Africa trip. Um, I wanted to tell you about something a little more personal about me this morning to start off. And uh, we're going to continue on from last week where we talked about in the name of love and justice, right? And we talked about loving our neighbor. If you're, yeah? So um, those of you who were not here, that's what we talked about uh, from the Good Samaritan parable. So this morning we're continuing that theme and uh, hopefully go deeper now. Okay. So just a bit about myself. I have a penchant for getting lost, okay? And by penchant, um, like if you look up perhaps some dictionary, they'll give you two uh, shades of meaning, right? Penchant as in you have a strong preference for something or liking or, or a strong tendency for something. Now, my penchant for getting lost is not a strong liking, okay? It just is a tendency, right? And I just tend to get lost. In fact, just this week, I got lost downstairs going from the office, I was trying to find a place called SG Land Tower. Okay, and like, I think Tim can attest to this. He saw me go downstairs from the office like five or seven minutes before him. And then five, 10 minutes later, he goes down and he sees me walking around with my phone. I- I'm lost. <laughs> so I totally got lost downstairs. And a few months ago, maybe three months ago, I actually got lost in the Marine Parade area. Okay. And if those, those, that, that's where me and my family stay. If you're familiar with the Marine Parade area, there's a lot of construction going on around there, right, right now, and um, for the MRT. And so, you know, the newly refurbished Marine Terrace Hawker Center? Marine Parade, like, yeah, the food center there. That whole area is, has just become from confusing to very confusing for me, okay? You don't understand my penchant for getting lost. So there I was. Um, I was confidently going to this shop that I had been to two times, okay? I've gone to this shop two times, not even last month, in that same week, okay? So this is the third time I have needed to go back to this shop, okay? This is SKP. All right. and because I under-calculated what was needed, because Elise was having her birthday for her party right in class, so I needed to go back there for the third time that week. Okay. And so I parked the car. This is like 9-ish a.m. I was going to have to pick the kids up at 11, 15. Right. And so I go there, breakfast, kind of take my sweet time. Oh, lots of time, okay. And then I go to SKP, or I tried to. Okay, and seriously, I could not find the shop. Okay, and the, so if if that that area, if you know the SKP there, there are like two or three pockets of parking in that area, like small parking lots, right near like where there's food and other places, and they all look the same to me. Seriously, and so I I walked around back and forth the whole stretch, I think three times. The whole time, sweating, I was panicking. And this was like, it was almost 11. And I could not find my car. 
Okay? So I could not find the shop. And then when I finally did find it, I tried to get my stuff and then look for the car to go fetch the kids. I could not find my car. I was so panicky. And I was like, I need to fetch the kids. It's almost 11.15. And then, it, you know, you don't want to be late because then the whole schedule just goes off. And I was like, oh, no. And I took another 20 minutes just looking for my car. And when I told some of them, our friends in our LG, they're like, you know, in a loving way, just laughed at me. How do you get lost in Marine Parade? But I did. Okay, so if you are like me, welcome to the club. If not, take me out of it. <laughs> uh, so I have a penchant for getting lost. Okay, and, and, uh, and I'm sharing that story because something occurred to me also today, um, or I mean this week, when I brought the kids to Kalang Wave yesterday. Okay, because I realized that not getting lost for people like me takes a lot of effort, right? And so yesterday, this, 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 this part of the story is not about getting lost, okay? Yesterday brought the kids to Kalang Wave, where there's this water play area in the morning. And um, so many months ago, we brought the two kids there, and the younger one had zero fear. Nada, okay. She was just zipping around, like, you know, through the slides and here. Whereas the older one was like, I'm scared, okay? Refused to go on the slide. Fast forward many weeks later, yesterday, it reversed. And, and I don't know if some of you parents have stories that relate to this. All of a sudden, they reverse roles, okay? So it's like the younger one forgot that she had been there and she had been fearless before. Suddenly yesterday, she was like the scared, scared, more scared thing ever, okay? She was just standing, I don't want, I don't want to go on the slide. Whereas Ezra was like, come on, come on, baby, it's okay, it's okay, follow me, okay? He was the super eager one, the balik, okay, if you know Malay. And so I, it, it hit me, and I wasn't even thinking about the message, I was like taking my mind off it. And it just hit me how sometimes we, we kind of, we've experienced something and, uh, and it was good or whatever. But after that, we, we kind of, our innocence kind of gets shattered. Or we've experienced something that's similar, but it became not so good. And uh, then when we return to that, it's almost as if we forgot that we didn't fear. And then we have this fear now because of you know, some buildup or something. And, in, and it, it taught me something about the way that we approach um, relationships and different things in life, right? And the truths that God teaches us and speaks to us about, sometimes, perhaps a few years ago, it was like, yeah, that totally makes sense. Hey, let's do it, man, okay? And then somehow throughout our Christian life, perhaps we, we get some wounding or some hurts along our way and then instead of being fearless in God uh, we become bogged down with, with that fear whereas we lose some of that childlikeness right? you know what I'm saying and, and so this morning as I share this I pray that um, that you know God God just shifts something within our hearts that causes any apprehension or any doubt in him and, 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 and who he is 
and what he wants to do, and that God shakes that bit and blows off the dust off of that. And so then we be reminded, because we tend to get lost, we can be reminded uh, where we need to go to and just keep trying, right? Uh, uh, although it gets challenging. And so last Sunday we talked about how we need to examine our neighbor love from the place of having received God's mercy ourselves, right? And so we extend that love. And I'll start off with this verse before we uh, go deeper. It's, it's familiar. It talks about that you are a chosen people. You know that verse, right? First Peter 2.9. You are a chosen people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. Then this verse says, once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you've not received mercy, but now you have. And so because of Jesus, who has given us the love of neighbor, shown us the love of neighbor, we extend it, right? And so I realized uh, because we don't take that time to examine, uh, sometimes we lose our way. So this morning we go deeper in our reflection with God's spirit uh, that there'll be truer expressions of justice. And um, I've, asked, uh, I've asked this to be on the City Singapore Insta. So if you have an Insta, you can go on there and there, uh, you can talk about, or you can post on your own, um, my expression of justice is, question mark, right? You can give it a think as we go through the message. Um, you don't have to post it right now, but just something to think about, and it will come back to that towards the end of um, the message, right? And so you can, you can post this even on your Facebook if you want. But just to get us thinking, and as you think, uh, don't be looking at other things in your phone. Just be thinking about this and then uh, pondering on what God wants to speak to us about. All right. Mm. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word that is always alive and active. We thank you that you are at work in us, in our lives, in our families, in our relationships, in our church, in our city, um, in our world. God, we thank you that we can be here, um, not just to... Uh, remember through communion what you've done, uh, but to embody who you are in our fellowship, in our worship. And so we give you thanks as we go in your word, would you speak to us and stir up a faith response from within towards you for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Now we're going to take a look at our neighbor love because we talked about the need to do that, but then we didn't go deeper right, last week. What does it mean to examine our neighbor love? Taking a good long look at that. What does it look like? Next slide. Yeah. We examine basically not just the times when we gather. We examine our thought life, what we say, our, our creed, right, what we believe in, our conduct, so our word, our deed. And, and the question that I would pose even is, can we behave into the community that loves neighbor the way that we're called to, right? Because uh, it's impossible almost to think our way into it. And, and I think in certain things like the spiritual practices, we've alluded to this before we've talked about it, that, uh, that it is just the, the brand of discipleship that Jesus modeled, is that, you know, as we do with him, um, we become 
right? And so we behave into this community that we want to be or we've been called to be. And truth is, God has equipped us to be this community. It's not something we need to really become, in a sense, because he's already, it could be First Peter 2.9, you are a chosen people, right? We are not, you're not going to be a chosen people. You are, and you are a royal priesthood. That is essentially who we are. And so do we intentionally have this mercy and justice that we've received from God refine us, define us as a community? That's a question we ask. And what, what comes to mind? Who do you think of when I mention love your neighbor? Don't have to answer necessarily. You can. But obviously, a thinking question, right? Who comes to mind? What do you think of? What need or, or issue uh, stirs within? And even, does it bother you? Something of an issue that you see? Does it bother me when someone is excluded? Does it bother us? Right? Do we brush it aside? Do we think about it? Do we struggle with uh, how we are as a community when we feel that an area is not right, or an area of treatment of others, or the words we say to each other, to a friend, whatever, right? This question, the sensitivity of neighbor love, right? Luke 6, 35 says, I tell you, love your enemies, help and give without expecting a return. You will never, I promise, regret it. Live out this identity, okay? God created identity the way our father lives, generously and graciously, even when we're at our worst. And that's oftentimes how I feel at my worst, right? Our Father is kind, you be kind. So how do we do that as a base and pattern? How do we become or have a distinctly different vision okay, from the culture around us uh, because of His justice and mercy? Here's where I want to talk about the relationship between justice and power. Ecclesiastes 4.1 says, Again, I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold, the tears of the oppressed, and they had no one to comfort them. On the side of their oppressors, there was power, and there was no one to comfort them. Last Sunday, I, I flashed up real quick some words I saw on the house, Mandela's house that I visited. And the reason I didn't get into, the reason why it struck me was because his words were, um, no serious or responsible leader, gathering, or organization of the African people has ever accepted segregation, yada, yada, a partition of this country, any shape or form. And so it got me really thinking, so how would that translate? No serious or responsible leader, gathering, or organization of God's people would accept what? Of any shape or form. Exclusion? That is not what God wants? How does it translate to us? I show you Desmond Tutu's statement that has struck me since my time at Bible school. If you are neutral in situations of injustice, you have chosen the side of the oppressor. If an elephant has its foot on the tail of a mouse and you say you are neutral, that mouse will not appreciate your neutrality. 
That's true. The mouse is not going to say, thank you for being neutral, right? Because neutrality is really not helpful right? in situations of injustice. And when we talk about power and justice, there is a relationship. Because oftentimes, when there is injustice, where there is oppression, there is unequal distribution of power. Why is that so? Right? Whether the oppressor or the oppressed both suffer the consequences of that unequality, right? that distribution of power that is not just. And much of this, although it's also individual, is systemic. right? It's contained in the structures and institutions and forces, or visible, maybe invisible some, that perpetuate injustices, push the less privileged to the margins, right? enable and benefit those who are powerful, in good standing. And these structures, if we leave them to their devices, will continue to enable the oppressor while exploiting or decapacitating, not decapitate. De <laughs> I was like, I had to practice decapacitating, but that word came to me, so like, I'm going to write it, okay? So but reduce the capacity of, okay, not behave. Decapacitate the oppressed, okay? Those who are under oppression are less able, disempowered, like the poor, right? But Jesus came to disrupt unjust systems of power. Why do I say this? Guys, look at Philippians 2, okay? You have to take this to heart. This passage talks about power and justice. If you have not realized before, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus came to disrupt the way that power is seen and perceived. Jesus' theology of power is that the one with all power and all privilege willingly lays it down to serve those who are completely the other. That's us. Completely and utterly other than him. How much more different can we be from God himself? No much more. Worlds apart. We only think we are superior to others, but he really is. Right? He is superior. Power and privilege in scripture, study it, always flow from the powerful to the benefit of those who are deemed powerless or marginalized. Because Jesus is close to the brokenhearted. See, the right and good use of power is what impacts justice. This is, um, so the wrong use of power, to summarize, almost always leads to injustice in some form or other. But where there is the right use of power, whether you are withholding something you can do, even if you could, or you are doing something simply because I have the power to do it, for the sake of others' good, that's justice. That is the right use of power. And Jesus demonstrated that in Philippians 2. He who is all able 
used power for our benefit because of his view that there is a downward mobility of power. Now, that's not how we function, right, in society. We may not admit, we may think we are power averse, but downright sometimes that's not helpful as well because then we develop a fear of power and those in authority, which is not God's intention. But how do we view power through his lens and the use of it? And how do we, in our capacities that are different, wherever you are, in every sphere that you are in, power is essentially the ability to influence someone, to exert a certain influence on others, whether it is in their conduct or decision, right? So how do you and I use the power that God has given us in whatever arena for justice? That is the question, right? So I want to show you, just real quick, this two words, proximity and advocacy. I'm going to try my best. <laughs> right. I'm going to try my best to like zoom through this and not overwhelm you at the same time. Okay? Are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> proximity is what we learned last week, um, Luke 10, where we talked about the Good Samaritan who chose to go close to the half-dead man, right? So that he then proved to be neighbor to the one uh, who was in need. Proximity to the one that is in need. And today I'm talking about power for good because that is the other expression of loving our neighbor, is advocacy. To speak up for and to lift up, right? To lift up those who may not have a voice, to speak for them, to stand on behalf of them, and that could look very different from merely campaigning or right, lobbying, right? We're not just talking about that. And Andrew Sloan, who I recently read up because I was praying for this, and this, I tell you, there have been messages that really, really consumed me inside out, and, and this, is, this is one of them. Like, I could not stop thinking. It kept me awake at night. I'm like, God, what's going on? I'm like, this is not, this is, this is too much, okay? But, you know, God just like, I, my, so my brain's been working and working because I'm just processing all the stuff I feel God is showing me. So this guy, he writes amazing stuff. He works with Micah Australia. And he writes this, Theologically, power and authority are seen as gifts given to a community through a personal power for those without it. The primary reason power, political power, is given in order to establish ordered patterns of life together in which those who gain advantages in the system are responsible to use their wealth and power for the benefit of those who become disadvantaged as a result of the operation of those patterns of common life. And so I don't know if some of you came across this story about world vision. But uh, a few months ago, it came out. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. For years now, we've, we've heard about you know, organizations like World Vision that, that, um, and that, that encourages and advocates for people sort of adopting and, and uh, 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 befriending those who are in need, right? And so World Vision, one day, this is in September, uh, flips the script. So instead, so usually what happens, is, and I think most of you are familiar, is that the sponsor would choose the kid to sponsor. 
right? And I'm sure with much thought and deliberation and study and discussion, World Vision decided to now try out having a community of kids choose their sponsor. I mean, this is, this is mind-blowing. I mean, like, you can, you can say, well, you know, that's creative, it's something new, change it up a bit. But I think it's more than that, right? That they're basically empowering the children to choose where they've not ever had a choice before. Hey, instead of being put up on the wall and being chosen from, now you're choosing. I think it's incredible. And, and this is just one way, one example of how power relates to justice. And, and I think it's amazing. It's a great initiative. I think they're still kind of testing it out, but I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But so yeah, there's proximity and then there's advocacy. And so what Tim Keller writes, I'll jump through the bottom of his quote because that's part that really, really captured my heart. You can read the rest in the slides in the app. It says, reweaving shalom, the last sentence, means to sacrificially thread, lace, and press your time, guys, your goods, your power, your resources into the lives and needs of others. Read that again. And I'm going to let you read it in quiet because this, to me, is just... There's so much in there. When we look at proximity and advocacy, we see the restorative character of the justice of God. It is not merely right, wrong, and what's legal obviously, and most of us know this. And so what do I mean by that diagram? I just want to flash out a little bit more, and then uh, we'll go from there. Mm. So proximity, right? There is the sense of what it means to be proximate or close to God, and there is a sense of being close to a person that you want to reach out to, or you want to be neighbor to, or a group of people. Right, um, so it's kind of two aspects to it, if you can call it. But like, yeah, I don't want to confuse you. Like, so it's just proximity and advocacy, and it, it hit me that hey, at the same time, that's why it says love God and love your neighbor, and it really is not two different things, right? And so proximity, if you can, just think of it as it is. It is both of us, right? It is as much as I am called to be proximate to the broken, I am to be close to God, right? And so that is really important for that proximity to be truly um, discipling our hearts, right? And then there's advocacy, which also hit me because of the way that Jesus treated so many who were marginalized, is that you would be advocating to God on behalf of people, right? And that's like praying for them, interceding. But on the other hand, there's also, I'm advocating to you for God, right? And it's, it's, it's not just, hey, you know, um, let me be your neighbor. But then there's also this sense of like, if you know the story of the adulterous woman is that, hey, God loves you. His grace is all sufficient. No condemnation but now go sin no more, 
right? There is that sense of, hey, be lifted out of injustices. Be lifted out of sin and be who you, you have been made to be, right? And that's advocacy. So part of our proximity and advocacy is to see how it looks like in full, um, how different movements uh, we can be involved with as church, right? Is that there's proximity to God where it's a place where we are close to God, intimate, and we examine ourselves, right? introspection and then you have proximity to people or a person and it's not just oh you know I just meet up with you once in a while but there is a posture in the heart that is incarnational that that you know alluring ourselves doesn't matter how much you know about God when someone's broken you just break with them um, advocacy intercession when we appeal on behalf of others to God, we're interceding. Think of God, if it was just 10, would you still destroy the city? God, would you? And just stand in the gap. And oftentimes when we are involved with justice and mercy works, this is kind of overlooked or it's easily kind of, well, you know, we don't want to evangelize too much, but hey, prayer. Is, is different. Prayer is you're, you're advocating in that direction, right? And then there's advocacy towards people, is that we influence whether you are advocating towards the oppressed or the oppressor. They both need it. And, and they both need that uh, speaking to them. And, and this is kind of, yeah, you can chew on that, and I don't want to go into it. It's not super technical. It's just that something that captured uh, the thoughts that I had, and I wanted to share that these are how we can behave as a community of God. What would it look like as a church? In your LG, how do we spur one another on towards love and good deeds? And back to that question... What is my expression of justice? What does it look like? Could it be perhaps today you're prompted my expression of justice? Maybe to teach my helper ukulele. <laughs> or, you know, Korean. I, yeah, you don't know Korean. Or it could be, or give a ride to my next door uncle to the community center every week. It could be that. Um, it could be speaking up for a friend who is harassed in your workplace. Uh, or in school, yeah. Which is, yeah, common too. And, and so many areas and ways we can be proximate and an advocate. Because this is who Jesus is to us, right? Jesus who has laid down his all. The question is, how does Philippians 2 relate to us? Because, so Jesus laid down his power. What does that look like for us? I know it's very serious, but you know, don't, don't look so... <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, it's a question that I've been asking myself, and even as we sang, I mean, I didn't really work out with Gideon, but I mean, just that song, you can have it all. What does it look like to weave shalom with my time, my goods, my resources, my power, my reputation, everything for God? And it looks like what for you? What does it look like for us? And the thing is, oftentimes, maybe you don't really see yourself as a person in power. The truth is, there is kingdom power. Where you may not be the president of whatever, but you're the president in your home, in your bedroom, right? You're the president of your own spiritual life. <laughs> what? No, you're the president in the kitchen. Come on. Right? People who bake. Yeah, do it. You're the president in your living room of your guitar, your cajon. You're, you are kings and priests called by God to walk in a manner worthy of his gospel. And if we don't recognize that power that has been invested on us, vested on you and I, what power do you have? to fight the ills that we see in the world. There is no hope aside from the church, and that's you and I. But the call is to surrender because Jesus gave his power for you and for me. Jesus gave up his all. And what would it look like to be a person who fights on behalf of others? It looks like Jesus. It looks like the one who forsook all privileges, gave up his place, his seat in heaven. Reweaving shalom calls us to convictions, changes in our lifestyle, the way we perceive and use all that we have, simply because he gave it to us. And that's God's call for us. And so I invite you to just a moment of short reflection. Because I really don't like to just kind of overwhelm you with words. Because I think God's just... I know to the degree that God's been just giving insights in this. That he really wants us to grow in this area. It's nothing... Nothing about how hard or whatever I've thought about this because I've thought long and hard about other topics, but they don't, there are no insights, okay? And But there are times like this, and I just want to say, you know, you guys, we are a community with so much power. We have no idea how much power we have. And if we, not that we ever get to a place there, we know like, wow, we have so much power. It's not like that. But just to, hey, recognize the distinct privilege and responsibility placed on us as a community. And so as we reflect now, pull it back down to personally, right? If it helps for you to focus, you can close your eyes and bow, but it's not, yeah, it's, that's optional. But just reflect with me for a while. Let God's spirit speak to you, not me. What is an expression of justice God is stirring your heart to? 
What is the way that God's Spirit is calling you to respond to what you've heard today? Not by what I'm prompting. What is God prompting in your heart right now? Would you lay a hold of that for a moment in silence? <laughs>